the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Messy Walk podcast. My name is Chloe. I'm here with Pastor Adam. Hey, guys. Yep. You might not recognize my voice, or maybe you do. I used to do the intro for the podcast, but now I'm doing the hosting. Yeah, So this is my first up. time. Yeah, it's my first time, so show me mercy if I'm really terrible at it, because I'll get better, hopefully. She's moving on up. She's <laughs> right. hosting today. Right. So anyway, today we are doing something a little new that we're pretty excited about. Adam, do you want to? Yeah, yeah. So um, the last episode that you guys heard, that was with us in the Dominican Republic. Actually, Chloe was there too. We were working with one of our partner organizations, which is Casas Por Cristo, um, building a house there. And I kind of told you guys about some of those things in the last episode. And so what we thought we would do today is have um, our missionary that we work with there in, in Casas. His name is Josh. Crabs. Josh is on with us all the way from the DR. Let's see if he's there. Josh, are you there? I'm here, Adam. I'm awesome. Here, Chloe. Awesome, man. It's good to see you. Well, hear you again, right? Um, we're, we're glad that you're here. And we wanted to, everybody listening, we just wanted to kind of talk with Josh about some things with the podcast. Um, love Josh, love his family and what he's doing down there. And we've started to form a relationship over the last couple of years. Um, and the, the premise of our podcast, I was just telling Josh this a minute ago, is um, all about our all our each one of our individual messy walks with Jesus. That it's not some sort of perfect thing, um, and then sometimes we make that out to be to the world when really we ought to be honest about where we're at in our faith. And I thought it would be cool to get Josh's take on how his walk with Jesus is as a missionary, um, and being in not just a missionary but also a missionary in a developing country. Um, and how that plays out with him, and not in the typical way that you tend to hear this, where the missionary stands up and tells you everything that's going awesome in the country, but maybe just a little bit more about his individual walk with Jesus, which I think, I know as a pastor, tends to get lost, and so I think that it probably sometimes gets lost too with Josh. Um, So Josh, we just want to talk to you about that a little bit. Does that sound cool to you? That sounds great. I'm excited. All right, so Chloe, fire off a couple questions. Let's get him started, and then we'll get him to the hard stuff in a minute. All right, so just for like a starter question, um, when did you feel called to be a missionary? Like, what was that like for you? Oh, gosh. Um, that's the easy question, huh? Yes, that's the easy um, one. Starting off easy. Starting off easy. Wow, I don't know. A calling is such a funny thing. It is. Um, I grew up with with a, a family that moved to the inner city, a dad who founded a church and a, and a ministry down there in the inner city of Akron. And so I don't know if I ever felt called. Well, so when I, I, I um, became a Christian when I was 19 and I wanted to do something to serve. And I'd come on a couple of trips with Casa Sport Cristo when I was in high school because my parents made me go to youth group and stuff like that. Good parents. Pastors came, I had to attend church. Right. And so when I, I got saved. I was like, God, I want to do something. I knew Casas had an internship. I was just at a dead-end job at 19. I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to do something different with my life, um, to kind of get centered on the Lord, uh, to break some relationships, or at least give some relationships that needed space, some space. And so I did a three-month internship um, at 20 in 2006. 
and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the ministry and the tangibility of it. And I went home. Even after that, I didn't necessarily feel called. Like, I was like, that was great. That was the best summer of my life. I went home. I went and got my old job back, and I'd been home like a month. And they called me back and said, hey, we, we want to offer you a position and a job. And it was kind of at that point, like, I, I realized that God had something more for me, that God had this plan for me. But I don't, like, I hear all these people who grow up, and they're always like, I had this. Oh, oh we lost him. We lost him. He had to go build a house real quick. <laughs> Good He'll joke, be right back. That was our planned joke, by the way, while Chloe's calling back, was if we lost him. Because, you know, we're doing an international call here to the DR. Um, was that he had to go build a house. So that's just our yeah. joke. So we're going to try to get him back on. Hold on one minute. Yeah. That's, that's crazy that he did goes. that when he was 20. Yeah, so right. what What I was going to ask him is that, that means he's been with Casas now for like 15 years, something crazy. Oh, like, hey, you there. I was talking. Yeah, I probably talked for like two minutes before oh, I realized. Oh, now you got to do it again. Oh. <laughs> so uh, you, you basically just hung up on us so you could go build a house real quick. That's basically what happened. So that, That's right. I'm, I'm done. I'm back. <laughs> right. Fast, man. Great job. Great Fast. job. It must not have been concrete day. Anyway. <laughs> no, um, no, sir. <laughs> so you were, you were just kind of talking about, you know, most people – feel this like you hear people talk about this big calling kind of thing and it wasn't like yes. that they have a call like this this like mountaintop moment or this call from the lord that is so clear and or from a young age and i guess i guess i never had that um god kind of hit me over the head with the opportunity like hey you love this ministry you love serving like this is a great way to tie those together and to honor me and i kind of grew into that through the process of being a missionary, my calling and my my ministry have grown together. Right. <laughs> but like I never, I don't necessarily feel like I had a call before I even started. You know, I kind of, God just kind of opened the doors that needed to be opened and hit me over the head to get me where I needed to be. Yeah, and then he's grown you and the calling all along. <laughs> so we were just talking about when you were off the phone that that means that you've been doing this thing since like, 2000 you mean you've been doing this thing for like 15 years yes sir that's just such a long time um and i think that obviously when god calls us at a young age mine was like that too that you're you know you listen and you obey but you don't really understand the calling and you just kind of grow with it and you know i think that's just grace of god to grow us with it as we go along um how long have you been in the dr we have been on the in the dr we are going on our seventh year so oh we moved goodness. down here in January, my wife and I moved down here in January of 2014 uh, without any kids, just the two of us, just newlyweds, come down to serve. And now, two kids later, we're going on our seventh year. Wow, that's crazy. That's so awesome. you run everything in the DR. So you were sent there to start the the Casas branch in the Dominican, right? Yes, I was. I, Ali and I were part of the launch team. And... Pretty much everyone else who was part of that launch team has now moved on to other things, and we're left um, down here, and we love it. And so, we are—I'm currently the director of the Dominican Republic, the field director, and so I kind of help run and manage a lot of the day-to-day, along with building and serving with the, the local families. That's awesome. That's all. Well, I got—you know—I've already talked a lot about it on the podcast so far, but uh, I think Casas is a really amazing ministry, and we as a church, I know the podcast is more my thing, but I can't not talk about my church, right? So we as a church, um, 
we don't partner with many organizations at all because we feel like that we have to all share the same DNA or otherwise it's no point. And so for CASAs, it was something about the DNA of being able to lift up the arms of the pastors and the churches in the area and have the real fruit happen through them that we really felt called to as a church. Um, Josh, can you talk for just a minute, like a brief, quick thing for anybody that doesn't know or is new to the podcast, just what CASAs is, what what the primary function is? Um, and then, of course, I think you've, I think you've already kind of – once you lay that out, you've already kind of said what your part is because you manage and run it all in the DR. So just talk through that for a minute. Sure. So CASAs for Cristo is a home-building organization, Houses for Christ, similar to like a Habitat for Humanity um, with a few differences. We partner exclusively with the local church in each of our locations, but specifically in the Dominican. Um, and the house is a free gift for the families, just like Christ's love is for us. And our local pastors are the ones, like our ministry is meant and designed to be a tool for them to create disciples, to go out into the communities that they couldn't go out into before, and to, to share the love of Christ. Um you know, everything we do as an organization is designed to pull us back and put them forward. Right. Um, because we believe that in the long term that our local pastors are going to make a far greater difference than I ever can, than any of our missionaries ever can. Because it's a li- it's real easy to come in somewhere and say, God loves you. And the, the people here, you know, many of who live on next to nothing uh, could look at me and say, yeah, you're American. Of course God loves you. He's giving you a car and a house mm-hmm. and more money than I could dream of. But when the local pastors who live in the same exact situation come in and say, God loves you, look what he's done for you with this house, it just kind of hits differently. You yeah. know, they, they know that these pastors live the same life as them and have the same struggles, and that um, really it's a far more effective way because so often in church we just get about numbers or, yeah, hey, throw up a hand and say you got saved. But in our reality, we want to create disciples. And the discipleship process is a long process. Absolutely. So the whole, you know, it's just not it's not a one week thing. If you're trying to disciple somebody in one week, boy, you're getting it wrong. You're and right. our local pastors are the ones who are doing that. You know, they are doing they are the meat of the ministry. They are doing the hard work of meeting with the families beforehand and afterwards, and just creating a relationship and living through them. You know, living life with them. And we just come in and try and, like you said before, lift them up, give them a one time, like an amazing gift, you know, and just kind of open the door for the pastors to do their thing. Yeah. So the homes end up being, you know, basically at the end of the day, I mean, I know the homes change lives, no doubt, but the home ends up being an evangelism tool placed in the hands of a pastor so that people can walk forward in Christ long term, you know, long after the house is not new anymore. You there, Josh? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. So, that's correct. Does that make sense? Is that a pretty good synopsis? Yes, that's a great synopsis. You know, we always joke around it. You know, it's, it's more than a house. You know, or it's not about the house or kind of slogans that we bounce around here in the Dominican. Um, and it, and it's it's really not. It's just an opening for, you know. I mean, it's an amazing gift because it takes care of a generational need oftentimes. But at the same time. Our goal is really to connect the local pastors with their communities and to raise their profile to be able to minister to more people. See, I love that image, that generational thing. Me and you were talking about this in the car when we were there. I love the generational image because what we, I think, fail to realize is that's what our walk with Jesus does, too. So the, the overall, I mean, the house is a tangible 
item where you can see this, but when someone gives their life to Christ and they start walking with Jesus, it's a generational change. Um, you know, it begins to change family dynamics and, you know, especially when you've got a dad involved who accepts Christ, um, you know, the, all of a sudden the likelihood of that family following Christ is like exponentially increased. Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of the things where when we all looking at our individual, we'll talk about this now, our individual walks with Jesus. I think sometimes we get bogged down in how hard it is and difficult and we don't see the difference that it makes, but us stepping over, you know, over this line into life with Christ is a generational thing that happens to us that then has impact, a ripple effect impact with all kinds of people that we connect with. And the house is just sort of a tangible example of how that goes down. But, you know, um, when we accept Christ as a person, even if our walk seems like it's really hard and we're not moving anywhere, there's still a big generational change that happens. And so like the house doesn't fix all their problems, but it definitely makes a generational change. And I think that's a, that's symbolic of what's going on with us following Jesus too. That's right. Well, let's, let's jump into yours then. Let's get some more difficult questions. Um, let's jump into your walk with Jesus specifically as a missionary, you know, in a developing world. Um, how is it difficult for you as a personal follower of Christ? Like, what makes Josh Crabs walk messy? Oh man, <laughs> um, I, man! I could get my wife in here; she could talk forever. She, but she could, she that. could. <laughs> but um, man, what makes my walk messy? I mean, there's all kinds of different levels to that question. You know, there's so much of the stuff um, that, on a personal level, that I brought down. So much of my Americanism that I'm wa- working through, trying to minister in a different country. You know, timeliness and and, and um, um, my my lack of patience working in a in a Latin country. You know, that part makes it hard to get out of my own way when I'm trying to minister to someone or or, or meet with the pastors and somebody's 15, 20, 30 minutes late. You know, and I'm like getting angry and I'm sitting there, but it's cultural and right. it's me taking my American expectations. And trying to fit the Dominican into that, you know, that's that's one aspect of how it's it, it's messy, it's challenging for me. Is like, no, I need to step back and be like, culturally here, this is a relationship based culture. We come from the states where it is a time based culture, right, right. And I need to be respectful of how people down here operate and move, and not try and fit everything into my bubble. Um, and that gives you a good, you know, I, that just that just points you to to what Jesus wants us to do with ourselves. I mean, that's that whole "let me lay down my life and my preferences uh, for the mission of the gospel." You know, when Paul's talking about when Paul's talking about to the Jew, I became the Jew; to the Gentile, I became the Gentile. He's referring to cultural things. He's talking about laying down cultural pieces. You know, and. and that's definitely something that I think in everybody's walk, but you're going to feel that a lot. You're going to be able to see that in yourself a lot clearer when you're from a different culture and then you're being, you're working and being placed in one. Um, I think that there's that, that we all, God's calling us to do this all the time, even in the context of being an American Christian, you know, I'm going to lay down my political, you know, rights here. I'm going to lay down my political preferences and I'm just going to serve people where they are. Um, and kind of sacrifice my culture or comfort or whatever it may be. And so it sounds like that this gives you a way to, to at least see how that happens in your life. 
That that's right. It does. Um, you know, and and that's more more on a I guess a ministry level on a on a personal level of my walk being messy is in this last year or so, man. I have dealt with anxiety and just challenges with that, and that is not something that before the pandemic I really ever had. And it's been trying to prayerfully walk through that, but know that it's like just because I pray, God, I'm I'm anxious. It doesn't get it doesn't get healed, you know, or it doesn't. Like, it, God doesn't necessarily take that away um, right away. It's a process, right, and working through that. And, and and that's been one of the biggest challenges when it came to when the pandemic started. You know, the pandemic started about a month after we found out my wife was pregnant. So what were you going to do with that? We live in a foreign country. Can we get home? Mm. You know, our country got shut down um, last year, last May. And it was shut down for about six weeks where I couldn't come in. I guess you could go out on an emergency repatriation flight, but there were some challenges with that and trying to deal with my, not deal with, but like walk through that with my pregnant wife um, at the time with all the uncertainty and just just on a personal level over this last year. At the same time, it looked like our organization might be going out of business at that time. Um, the Casas Por Cristo, we about ran out of money. Um, and the Lord has been incredibly generous and blessed us so much, but there's just been a lot of challenges with that anxiety for me on a personal level over the last year and trying to work through it. And it's so hard because so often in church, you know, I feel like if you tell someone like, Oh yeah, I'm dealing with anxiety. And they'll just be like, well, have you prayed about it? And yeah. you want to be like, well, of course I've yeah. prayed Are about it. Are you kidding me? Right. Of course yeah, I've prayed yeah, about you know, it. Right. Like, you almost want to swear at him. Like I almost did say <laughs> no crap there yeah. for a minute, but like, well, yeah, no, I, I've obviously I've prayed about it. Like, thank you, <laughs> but yeah, I'm still walking through it and dealing so you, with it, and kind of just some of the challenges with all that in the pandemic, and and, and I'm, it's not even like getting sick isn't even up on the list of anything that causes the anxiety. It's just kind of everything else that happened with it. Yeah, the whole your whole world got disrupted, and and you know, and especially with like, I think this is one of those things where God grows us that. Our calling is in Him, not necessarily in a ministry. And so mm-hmm. there are moments where you start to – I had this happen with me in the pandemic too. It was this it was this moment of, well, what if this organization doesn't exist anymore? Like what if what if CASAS does shut down or what if Union Church goes belly up? You know, we had the same sort of worries. Um, what if that happens? And, you know, there's a process of God kind of walking you through, well – you know, the, I'm in charge, like I'm sovereign. And so even if that does come down, um, there's a calling on your life that's tied to the Great Commission that's not necessarily always got to be specifically tied to a particular organization. And that's hard for that's hard for you because you've been – your whole calling has been based in this organization. You know, uh, that's been hard for me because um, you know, I've been in ministry since I was 19 and a half years old, and the, the church – Union's about to be 10 years old, and it's my baby. You know, I mean, we planted it. I, I would sacrifice anything to keep it moving forward for the gospel. And so, yeah, I see where that would be a struggle. So what you're telling me is is that, let's make sure everybody hears this right, that missionaries, super spiritual, awesome missionaries, the most spiritual people in the world, that's the way people treat you, by the way, um, they have anxiety? Yeah, we have anxiety. <laughs> Obviously what you said the last part about being the most awesome sp- spiritual people in the world isn't true, but we're just working. We're, we're messy folks working through it too. But yeah, man, we deal with anxiety and we have this, we're just, we're people, we have the same challenges and it just happens by vocation. We're doing ministry through that, you know? 
Yeah, to me, that's the that's the thing that I want people to just constantly get, and I think it's because it's what God wants me to get. That's why we talk about this so much on the podcast. That's why the podcast exists. You know, we could have done all kinds of topics with the podcast in general, not you today. I mean, the premise of the podcast itself could have been all kinds of things. But I felt I feel like what God's always pushing me back to is your walk's messy, son. You're sinful. It's always going to be. And by the way, everybody else's is too, you know, not just you. And so when people think of missionaries, I just want you to know, people think of the most spiritual, awesomest people ever that would yeah. leave their homes, right? Chloe, you've run encountered some missionaries before. You feel yes. the same thing? Yes, yeah. I would agree. You always view them as like, ooh, like they love God more than everybody else in the whole world because right. they're doing this thing. Yeah, they love, they're just, they, you know, they laid their whole life down to go to this other country. Um, and so I think that, that what that reminds us too is that you know, even if that is the case that people have sacrificed part of their lives to serve the gospel, it doesn't take away the fact that they're human and struggle with the same struggle. That we all are the same people is what I'm trying to say. I guess. You know, do you feel do you do you feel that in your in your walk there? The people you work with. I mean, do you feel like people are just people? People are people, man. Like are we just is yes, definitely a hundred percent. People are people. They struggle. I mean. Sin and lifestyle and different things might change a little bit based on region and where you're coming up with. And like, so the challenges in the Dominican are just a little different than in the States. But in the end of the day, people are people, you know, and they deal with the same stuff. People are selfish. People are hurtful. People are mean. People are broken. Everyone needs Jesus. And it, it doesn't really, that part doesn't change, you know, where you live. Yeah. That is evident everywhere. Um, Josh, yeah. let me ask you a personal question about your walk with Jesus, and uh, you mm-hmm. must you must answer it unless the phone just accidentally cuts out or something. You have to go build a house. But um, have you ever you've ever struggled with having some sort of pride um, while you've been doing this, while you've been in this role? Maybe not now, but you know, at some point in time, having this pride of being better than those that that you're serving. Yes. Um, I have definitely, especially as a young man, I'm, I'm not old now by any means, but in my mid thirties, it's a little easier to recognize, you know, I started doing this when I was 20 and, you know, a young man is prideful. We, we are, we got big heads and we are full of ourselves. And so, especially in my early twenties, when I was first doing this and it was never, I am better than the people that I'm serving per se, but it, it was better than the people I am receiving. And I guess I'm, I'm serving yeah. both the Dominicans, and, the, and at that point it was I was in Mexico. The, the folks in Mexico that I was serving, I never thought I was better than them, but I thought I struggled with pride against the Americans that I was partnering with because I thought all these Americans are so selfish, they can't give up more of their time, more of their resources. I know how much so-and-so makes. They could build a house all on their own. You know what I mean? Like they should yes. be able to fund entities. A year, and I, you know, why can't they be more like me who gives and does this and that? And yeah, and I did. I have struggled with that, um, you know, and it's been a little bit different because it was never against. I never struggled with that in a way against. I guess I'll put it this way: it's always easier to judge people where you come from, right? Like yeah. if you grew up in a certain area, yeah. you you could make judgments about that. And so, as an American, I was very judgmental and prideful against other Americans and that wasn't fair because I didn't know their whole story. I didn't know and if they were coming on a trip that meant God was already doing a work in their life and I needed to be willing to recognize that that not everyone is 
you know, all in yet. You know, you got to sit up before you walk, you crawl, you got to crawl before you walk, you got to yeah. walk before you run. And I wanted everyone to run. And that caused some bitterness or anger through because of that pride that I had, you know, against people who didn't deserve that. And it was just, yeah. Yeah, and even if they did deserve it, because um, a lot of time, you know, you're too nice, but a lot of time people do deserve it. Um, they just, it's just not supposed to come from us. You know, that, that judgment is not our call, right? You know what I mean? Like it, you know, and, and like, I, I do deserve it when people are like, oh, Adam, you should do this. I'm like, well, yeah, I probably should. Right. But it's not their judgment to give just like it's not ours. Um, and I can, man, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I didn't even think about that. So like when we were talking through these notes, we were thinking about like this sort of Americanized pride over or dealing with folks that are, you know, local to the area that you're serving and things like that. But I forgot all about the whole, you know, you're working with two different groups of people all the time. You're working with the locals that are there, and then you're working with the Americans that are coming, you know, not just Americans, but Americans coming that are serving with you. And and you're sharing Christ with both of them, right? That's right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's both. It's not just one. I didn't even think about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I think I think what you what you just just hit on is a struggle that all of us have. Um, you know, talked about being you you talked about them. You know, it being from where you're from, you tend to have judgment over those people. I definitely feel that for sure. Because um, I, you know, at the same time, and I feel like because we planted we planted our church where we're from, and so there was always this sense of well, these are my people, I know them. But then there was also a sense of I know them, therefore I can judge them. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, um, talk about for just a little bit some of the um, – because we only have a few more minutes, but what do you feel like right now is are the challenges that Christians in the Dominican are facing? Um, you know, like what what makes their walks messy? And, and I, I'm hoping that what's probably going to end up happening through this conversation is you're going to say a whole bunch of stuff that – everybody struggles with because that's what I'm, what I'm getting at I guess is that everybody struggles with the same thing but what are those things you see in the context of the Dominican that makes um, Christians walks messy man I guess like one of the biggest things that we struggle with in the Dominican is we are crazy legalistic like mm. outside of this world legalistic at times it feels like um, we have a, a lot of the churches down here will put people the pastors will put people we call it in disciplina um, basically they'll put church members on public judgment wow for whatever whatever they do wrong i had a friend wilson who you guys actually met when you were down here yeah Yeah. but his his pastor put him in discipline because in disciplina because he had a bible study without asking his permission without getting his blessing he started having a bible study on his own wow (laughs) and obviously this is a little bit of an extreme case but it's not uncommon um, and so that's one of our big challenges, man. We deal with the same stuff as far as like alcoholism. Um, you know, living in a country like the Dominican, it's often is just as easy to get beer as it is clean water. You know, we don't have a running tap system and stuff like that. So alcoholism, pride, we're dealing with a lot of the same political junk in the church that you guys are in the states. Yeah. Obviously, for us, it's not Democrats and Republicans, but. You know, it's it's the, the versions down here of that, and 
it, I mean, it's just a lot of the same stuff, just a little bit differently. Yeah, you the, know, the legalism on things, the legalism thing is interesting. The legalism thing is interesting because, yeah. you know, I, I actually think that that's one of the biggest problems in the Christian church in America too. It just comes out quite differently. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I do think actually that the church in America, in particular, does not take church discipline serious enough. All right, that we've gotten away from that at all. Yeah. But the other side of that is, is that you turn. So, so they're they're at least they're at least owning that they're doing it in the DR. <laughs> in, in America, we're being legalistic and judgmental like that. We're just not owning it in some sort of public discipline state. You know what I mean? That's that's cool. And so, you know, basically, no matter where you're from, people are people, and no matter what your economic status is, I'm sure it'll affect it some. But sin sin knows no bounds, right? I mean, that's right. Sin doesn't favor anybody else over another. I mean, it's just uh, we're all born into this state of sin, and so when we accept Christ, no matter where we're living, you know, we're we're battling constantly with this old man, new man self, like Paul talks about. And no matter where you're from, um, and you know, you God's given you a unique perspective because you've been able to see it as an American, but then also in Mexico and also in the Dominican. That's pretty cool. Well, um, brother, we got to sign off. So, uh, Josh, it's always good to talk to you. Um, Chloe, ask him that last question we got. Um, Yeah. So, Josh, if anybody listening wants to learn more about CASAs or learn more about what you and your family are doing there, how can they – is there a website that they can go to or anything like that they can learn more? There is. uh, The best place to find out about what is going on with us is www.casasportcristo.org. And you can also find us on Facebook. Um, That's our main website. It'll have all kinds of information. And if you want, you can befriend even me or my wife on Facebook. We'd love to tell you more personally. Just send us a message. Last name, first name Josh, last name Krabs, C-R-A-B-B-S. And we'd love to tell you more about what's going on down here in the Dominican and and with the ministry as a whole. You guys do a great job of connecting with the people that, you know, not just the people that are supporting you, but the people that are praying for you, that are interested in CASAs. And, uh, you know, Valerie and I have very much enjoyed that part of it. And so um, we'd love for you guys that are listening to be able to check that out. You know, we've... We teased talking about this multiple times over the last couple of months, and then we did an episode from the DR while we were there that posted last week, and now we're talking to Josh, so you can see that it's sort of a big deal for us. Um, you know, we, we really believe in what's going on there, and what I like most about uh, Josh and multiple other people, like he mentioned Wilson and multiple other guys that we hung out with in the DR that are working in this ministry, serving in this ministry, is that they are real. And so there's a, there's a realness happening that I think fits perfectly with what we're doing, perfectly with the podcast, and sort of and, and really represents what it really means to follow Jesus. Because it's not all it's not all roses and rainbows, and so um, it's it's a hard thing. Josh, I really appreciate you, man, talking through um, some of your struggles and things like that. I'd like to have you on the podcast at a future date. So if you say yes right now, you're locked in. Yes, sir. I love it. All right. All right. Well, Josh, tell Allie we said hey, and uh, the kids, and we're thankful for you, brother. All right, will do. God bless, guys. See you, man. Thank you so much, Josh. 
All right. So thank you guys for tuning in today and joining us for this really awesome conversation. Yeah, Be it was sure fun. To, yeah, it was really, it was really fun. fun. I enjoyed getting to talk to he, him again. He didn't answer the questions exactly like I expected <laughs> at first. You know, like it was, yeah. was kind of honest. It was so. really cool. I like that. So um, be sure to check out the Casas website. He said it was www.casasporcristo.org or you can add him or his wife on Facebook. Um, and don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram while you're at it. Be sure to like on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Um, and we have new episodes coming out every Wednesday. Every so Wednesday. be sure to tune in and join us next week for our next conversation. Yep. Chloe and I are going to sign off here and then we're going to take a break and we're going to actually start recording already for next Wednesday. Yes. So we'll see you soon. All right. And by the way, tell Chloe she did a great job. She can't <laughs> hear you say it, but she did. You did a good job, Chloe. Thanks, Thanks. guys. See you later. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.